We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest and then the final event the behind the bangs writing workshop i finally did it put it together put together this workshop because i wrote this book in many ways for younger me and younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught i wanted the gyms i wanted i wanted the knowledge i wanted the education that's what i would have wanted so i've decided i'm doing it and in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn 15 years in my 15 year career as a tv writer and author and blah 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 all the other things i've written there are six things that i always use and all of those are in this workshop so if you have an interest in writing sign up all the ticket links are live today click the show notes click my instagram we are coming to a city near you and there's going to be some meet and greets i'll sign some copies of books we'll give out more books and i have uh, some pieces of merch that i'm taking on the road and i'm gonna give them out at the shows Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I'm a TV writer, comedian, and filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. And this is a podcast that normally recaps and celebrates the memoirs of female celebrities, but we have made another men's noir exception. Listen, after Matthew Perry's book delivered us eight separate Batman references, I was like, you know what? I think think I'm done with men's noirs for a little while. And then I got so many DMs about Prince Harry's memoir, the 2023 memoir titled Spare, that I started to consider it. I was going back and forth. And then our guest for today's episode requested that we cover it. So I said, you know what? It's a sign. We're doing it. And now I am so bummed to have such a passionate opinion about the royals and the monarchy. I am in it, you guys. And worst of all, there was also a Batman reference in Harry's book. Okay, we are diving into Harry's memoir today with an incredible guest. She's a stand-up comedian with her latest special, Good Clean Filth. She's on tour now. She's the face of HBO's F-Boy Island, one of the greatest reality shows of all time. Truly, she elevated hosting, and there should be a lesson to all reality show hosts to see how she hosted that show. She is also the host of the Nikki Glaser podcast twice a week. Uh, It's Nikki Glaser. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Chelsea. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And to also have like strong opinions about the royal family now. Yeah, I didn't see this. I didn't want this for myself. I'll say that. I, no one wants to be around me this week because I am so, all I want to talk about is this book and how, yes, and how it's just changed the way I've thought about everything. It's, uh, yes, I, I thought I was one way. 
then the Harry and Meghan documentary on Netflix changed it a little bit. And this pushed me over the edge. And I want to be an advocate for Harry and Meghan and defend them for the rest of my were life. Were you coming into this, you were like, eh, Harry and Meghan. Then the docuseries made you love them. Yes, I used to be eh about them entirely. Okay. The British media really got into me, even though I always read Daily Mail with like, ugh, this, it's just Fox News. I am so, so thrilled by this because I'm not going to say I had the opposite journey, but my arrow is a little bit the opposite direction. Wow. So I. And I will say this, I, I followed the Royals, uh, not at all, like from afar. Like I would see photos and I was like, yay. And um, I definitely was like, Harry and Meghan are fucking cool. Like just from, and this is terrible, just from wedding dress choice alone. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're team Meg. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> from the choirs they each chose, like mm-hmm. fully team Meg and Harry. I was like, yeah, they're the best. I get it. Uh, I I don't read Daily Mail, so I was just like, yay them. And after the docuseries and the book, I was like, okay, I I do see why people have their complaints. Now I'm I'm not anti them at all. I'm I'm I am still like I still very much love them. I was just like, oh, some of this is actually a little cringe to me. Oh, let's get yeah, into it. Let's dive in. I okay, let's wait. dive in. I, I I need to be I need to wake up a little bit because I am like. They can do no wrong at this point. So I want to wake up. You might be right. You might be right. And I'm ready to be convinced. Okay. So uh, before we dive into the book, just how a little disclaimer to everyone listening, how to enjoy this podcast. There's so much in the book. Nikki and I would have to be here for 10 hours. So we're just doing highlights and I'm going to focus mostly on parts one and part three because uh, part one involves Diana. Part three involves Meg. I personally found part two excruciatingly boring. Uh, Did you have that take? I... no, because I would have thought, because it's all about his like military service. I actually, yeah. what that's what won me over for him of like, oh, this guy actually did really hard work. He's very strong. I found it like, oh, I, w- I want to sign up for boot camp. I'm someone who doesn't even like to go on a hike at Runyon. Like, and I was like, yeah. I want to go join. I should have joined the military. There's, so, I, I, I was fascinated by it, but I agree one and three is like, where's, it's juicy. Where it's at. Yeah. Well, and also like, Section two, very important. Book cannot exist without it. It it really, like, he says the army saves him. I thought it was beautiful, but boring. Um, yes, and his depression in and out, like his panic attacks, it like just, go, it just shows him just kind of muddling through, does, waiting to meet Meg. That is how it feels like. It feels like la, 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 la. And then Meg comes and yes. the book got riveting. Okay, so we're really gonna focus on the contents of the memoir, uh, even though we'll pull in other elements of the monarchy. And I'm gonna say, you know, we're gonna make a lot of jokes about this. I, At least I will. There were some parts I found very cringy, but it's all done with love because he did strike me as a very kind soul. Yes. A, a kind soul who's new to therapy. That was my takeaway. Mm, yeah, what, uh, pretty much every man in their late 30s. Like, it's. I used to have a joke about Harry being like, he's the perfect man because the perfect man is a guy who loses his mom young. And and I don't, I don't wish that for anyone, but they, they don't ever have resentment towards their mom because she never is knocked off that like, my mom is the best. They die and they just think all women are the best. And they also are forced into therapy at a young age, but not in this case. He was actually so deeply neglected. The entire time. Deeply neglected. <laughs> yes. I mean, and that's this really man, the crux of the whole thing. Yeah, that's the crux of the whole thing. And I, now he's done incredibly well given the cage of uppity nightmares he was raised in. Yes. You know, so, so 
Okay, so let's start with the arc of the book. The book begins, he's meeting up with uh, Pa, you know, King Charles, who he dearly, dearly loves. It doesn't have a lot of negative things about him to say in the book. It does call him old right off the bat. He's like, it's very old. <laughs> and then and then he meets up with William, uh, who he says is looking less and less like their mom. And quote, Oof. his alarming baldness. First is, thing that is, I was like, oh God, here we go. Yeah, he, who he hates William, and we'll get into it. He says at the beginning of the book that William and Charles are saying they have no idea why he and Meg fled and ran for their lives. Pretty intense language. Charles and William are like, we don't know why you left, even though they definitely do. And then Harry says, since you guys don't know, I have written a book to tell you. I said, ooh, the mess. It, I, I loved the, how, this, how that went and how then we just go straight to Diana. And yes. I, I, you know, I don't know why I thought maybe he would make, he would try to make his life not about that event or like, cause that would just be so like, we already know, but it, it, it is that. And you go, you go right to pretty much the day. Yeah. And I feel like as, I mean, it's a widely, her life and her death wildly covered. Um, we have really never heard how horrific it was. We assumed, but I mean, it, it, it was actually worse than I thought. Now that said, when it comes to the arc of the book, he's like, I've written this book to tell Willie and Pa why we left mm -hmm. after 400 pages of tons of details as to why they left and the docuseries. I ended up being like a little bit like, but wait, why? Um, <laughs> now, what was your takeaway? I can, I can see there was, it didn't feel like it answered that question specifically, but I think the takeaway is they weren't, they didn't like his wife. They fed, you know, stories about her. They didn't protect her when it got to be just really disgusting and ugly and racist. And, um, and they, they just, they, they, they couldn't do, they, first of all, they just weren't protected. They were the, the crown and they were jealous. The crown was jealous. They're all jealous. So jealous of each other. They all want to be famous so that they can have money from the crown to give to their charities. But it's really about like, Camilla and Charles, like, wanting to be in tabloids, like, really grossed me out. Like, you're adults. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I, I didn't realize uh, how icky all of that stuff was. And then you watch the documentary and you realize that was a big part of Diana. Like, all of a sudden, they liked her at first and they kind of chose her. I mean, Charles didn't even want her, but yeah. oh, she yeah. was picked. And then all of a sudden, she was getting too much attention and being too, she was the face of everything. And then, and then they, she's beloved. Yeah. And that's so what she happened with go. Meg, who I'm now calling yes. Meg because of this book. Sure, sure. No, she's Meg now. She's Meg now. I mean, in the documentary, she's M and he's I, H. I mean, there's a lot H. of nicknames. That there's also has. I, it's a lot. But and here's the thing: that was a. That's exactly you. That's exactly right. How he laid it out. But even with all the details, when it leads to like fleeing for our lives, right. desperate in the night, I'm like, you know what? I think I think there's so much pettiness in this. But I think they've kind of built the stakes in a way that was a little hard to get to. And I just ended up coming away with, in the book, he's like, I'm gonna keep you safe. He tells Meg, I'm gonna right. keep you safe. And it's just like so clear that like he couldn't protect his mom. So now yeah. he's going to protect Meg. Yeah. He's going to heal that him. I found it very similar to like Will Smith and the slap and protecting Jada because mm -hmm. he famously couldn't protect his mom. Notably right. two black women like suffering from like underpinnings or, you know, overt uh, racism. I, I was just like, oh, this is very much like I kind of took away like Harry was going to find a way to to leave and say, fuck all of you. And it happened to be Meg. That's what I took away. I, 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 
I think that's interesting because I, I'm not saying that's not what happened, but I feel like they were trying to play ball. Like they, he, yes. even oh, when yeah. he met her, he was like, she's perfect. Like she will fit the role that my dad and my grandmother would want uh, for, 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 for our position. They wanted to stay, I feel like, but they were just, Will, William hated him, hated her, Kate, sister-in-law from hell, kind of. I mean, heinous, heinous. Bad. And I used to really like her. And now I'm like, okay, wait, I just got to be, maybe she, I'd like to hear her side of things that we'll never get because she's We'll, we'll never hear it. Um, but it, I did feel like they were down, they were down to spend the rest of their lives doing that. And then they just, they couldn't. So I don't know that he always had an exit strategy because he was trying to make it work, but um, their lives would have been miserable staying there. And I, I agree with you. I think they were like, we're going to play ball. And when they weren't okay with them being a beloved couple, they then go at them so hard. The thing that I feel like it's within Harry is that he has so many childhood examples of hating his brother. And he has such a deep depth of hating the press and hating what they did to his mom. I just don't believe the narrative uh, that his family certainly leaves like Meg, like at one point they even say like Meg brainwashed you or that right. Meg made you leave. I sort of feel like Harry had this anger inside him yes. that was going to be, or maybe not, but it, it didn't specifically have to be Meg, even though it was, is how yeah, I Yeah, you're so right. He he already had this deep resentment and it was, it was undeniable once she stepped in. But she really, I really did think that she had such, she was pulling his strings and definitely operating behind the scenes for them to get out. But she... I really believe them. I'm taking his word for it when she didn't do any of that and it was his decision to leave. Because she doesn't oh, seem I, like she talks a lot of shit. Even though I'm, I mean, I can't wait to someday meet her and be like, come on, let's talk shit. I feel like she'd be someone who's like pretty diplomatic and like a good I person. I think she 1000% wanted to be the princess. And he was like, we gotta go. And she's like, ah, oh, fuck. Yes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think she, I definitely think it was him. I think he was like, fuck my family, let's go. Mm. I think she would, I think she fits that role of a royal so beautifully. So well. And I think she would have stayed and crushed it. God, she um, was like Diana-ing before. I thought that she got into all of her philanthropic work like after she met Haz. You know, like I thought it was yeah. like, she was like, okay, I got to play this role. She was Diana, she's Diana-esque. Like, I mean, he, and he, I feel like is a, is Diana. That, and I think that's why I have so much affection for him is I love, I love Diana. I just, I, you know, who doesn't? But like, I really have some kind of, given her some kind of sainthood. And I think that she, he definitely absorbed that. The empathy, just the kindness. Like he's just a, yeah. a, a sweet, emotional soul. And got so fucked by her death and then, uh, you know, just always being the spare, which is funny that they actually call him the spare within, like, that's yeah, well, within the family. And that's also, I, that's like generations. Like, every second yes. son, second child was called the spare. Uh, he definitely got it a lot harder than maybe other spares. Um, okay, so so let's dive, let's dive back into it. So their family motto is, uh, the royals' family motto is, don't complain, never explain. Right. Very bad for human growth and development. Possibly correct for royals was my takeaway. Because mm. I'm like, taxpayers are funding these famous people. Yes. If I was a taxpayer and they were like, man, my life sucks. I'd be like, 
fuck you, give me my like tax money back. Uh, so I can see how people get really mad when they do hear these complaints, even though they are valid. Yes. That's, that was how I My thought. thing is that they were children. Like he should have been able to be sad and complain. Like they're- Yes, they're, yes. I, I can see adults being like, okay, well, we're reaping the benefits of this. Like, my friends the other day, I got into a heat. I mean, I was almost crying in the car ride with my friends because they were like, I just don't want to hear about like rich- white people like complaining. I'm like, he was a little boy. He didn't choose to be born into this mess of a family like uh, that his mom dies and all he gets is a little like pat on the knee from his dad. And then he cries. And it's like uh, that one time he cries at her funeral, which was not, we don't see it. We, there weren't, you know, cameras there. Um, That was the only time he cried. He got no help for it. And then Charles later, you know, says, I should have gotten you help for it. He kind of references it later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even worse, his dad comes to his bedroom at night, wakes him up, tells him your mom's dead, then shuts the door and leaves. He's alone for like eight hours. He sleeps, he doesn't- The whole night, he's- Yeah. And he's 12, he's 12 years old. And uh, he and his brother can't find closeness within it because they have the air and the spare put on them. And so they don't have this like siblinghood because they always have this like competition between them. And uh, they're made to trail behind their mother's casket. So they're walking behind her body and he's 12 years old. It, It is traumatizing. On and I and a huge part of this book is just it's just a very traumatized child like finding their voice um, and fighting back. I found it interesting that they both um, later on they talked about it like way later on you know as adults, but they both came up with this idea that she had escaped and was faking her death and that she was going to reappear yes. at some point. And they both had that had created that fantasy to survive it, which I thought was interesting. Yes. They both did that. Until Sarah, their aunt, gives them a lock of her hair. And even then, he doesn't fully believe it, Mm -hmm. but he has this, and he still has this lock of his mother's hair, which also quite morbid. I I understand it was, like, done with, like, to have something of your mother, Mm -hmm. but, like, whew. I thought it was weird, too. I thought it was cool that she even thought to do that because no one thought to give them anything or— Nothing, So I thought, oh, that's nice, but I was, like— that is straight. And to clip it off her corpse, I was just like, how did this I even mean, go down? I mean, it was absolutely. And the royals are weird, though. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> they, I mean, so it, on top of that, uh, there's a story in the book where his dad, when he's like six years old, um, Queen Elizabeth uh, and her husband go on a tour. Tours are like big things for royals. It's like a mission if you're a Christian. Yes. Like, you got to go on your mission. They're like, we're going on a tour where you kind of tour the globe and, and promote the Commonwealth. And they're gone for like six or eight months. And when they get back and their little six-year-old son comes to greet them at the door, he they give him a strong handshake. Yes. And I, I'm like, yes. a man who was given a handshake after eight months of not, eight, six or eight months of not seeing his, his mummy is now raising other children. Like that person has no, Oh yeah, that person doesn't know how to be a dad. I wanted to villainize Charles th- yeah. throughout it because it felt like he was the one that could have stepped in and changed all of this. But he, he even talks about when he was shipped away to boarding school, how he never really talked about it, but he told Has at one point that he can't believe he survived it. So I think the bullying must have been just intense, brutal. Like, I think that he has PTSD for like, he has so much trauma from just being a gangly looking heir at away at boarding school and definitely was not equipped to 
handle any of this. And it's yes. just- and, and, <sighs> and the one good parent was Diana. I and know. she's taken, and she's taken from them. But my biggest takeaway was like, everybody in this castle needs a hug. Everybody need a hug. Nobody got a hug. Everyone. If no one, one needs like, more corgis. No way. Just, like, so. One hug could have stopped Harry from writing this memoir. And hugs <laughs> are such a big part of this, too, because, you know, Meg greets Kate with a hug, and that really is, like, off-putting. Like, I guess Brits don't—I was talking to some of my friends about it. They're, they're not big huggers in general, but especially within the monarchy. Like, posh. Just, yeah. Yes. But, yeah, they yes. just need affection. And to talk about— the elephant in the room. I mean, they don't ever talk about anything real. They all have like press secretary. There's multiple times in the book where he's like upset that uh, his brother, Willie, he calls him Willie throughout the yes. book, which like in the UK definitively is like calling your brother penis. Like <laughs> penis. <laughs> like, I was just like, so oh, funny. they're really going for it. So he's like, Willie, Willie, Willie. Um, he's like, I didn't find out about Willie's marriage from him. I found out about it from his press secretary. But like they all have press secretaries and they all communicate through them. There's times when, Harry doesn't tell William things, and he's like, I figured someone else told you. They just don't talk to each other. Well, William hates uh, Harry, too. Hates him. And William's, well, Willie's a Willie. Willie that was my takeaway. Sucks. Willie a Willie. And yeah, I and- always liked him, you know, from afar. I just thought he was the cute one. Like, and he oh, sucks, really? man. He, like, yeah. bad brother. But also, again, like, can't even be mad at these people. They just went through so much no. trauma. They don't know how to be good I can't believe Harry Harry going to Africa and getting out of it and meeting real people and then going into military shaped him into a person that has empathy and compassion and I feel like can talk about real things and it's just as a real human but William's lost he's gone I mean I can't yes. do you think they read it do you think him and Kate read it oh a thousand percent oh my god I think, I think they're how they got uh, Spain got an early release copy yeah 100% right. they all pretend to be above it and not read it while reading it which is evil like you should just cop to it but they don't cop to anything. They they don't cop to anything. No, no. That they're living all living lies. It's all presentation. It's 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 Hollywood, but worse. It's just it's yes, c- all, complete lies. And uh, I'm I'm so happy that they got out. But it must be just so because this book. I'm like as soon as I read that balding, uh, uh with his alarming, alarming baldness, baldness, I go. He, they're never speaking again. This is no, it. Never, they, it never. burned the no. bridge. There's London Bridge burned down. It's done. <laughs> It's it, they're never going to be, he's never going to no. be close with this. I mean, I, I feel like this only could have been released after Granny's death because there's, he has to go back for that funeral. I don't feel like maybe King Charles, his and, funeral, and he'll, he'll, they'll see each other again, but there's yeah. not going to be nothing else. This is, if if you were not in the monarchy and your brother wrote this book, you're never speaking again. On top of that, the whole family motto is don't complain, never explain. This is all and, it is. And I, but, and I will also say this, the William never had a chance to because because of the title's heir and the spare. So he's like, I am the heir. I have all these pressures on me. And I think the spare kind of is like the thing where it's like, if you're a kid and you have like something odd about you. And so therefore you're, you're pushed to form a personality. Yeah. That is the yes. spare for Harry. You're so right. And, yeah. Cause William couldn't even fly. Like talking about part two, William went into the military too, was not allowed to fly helicopters, was not allowed to like become a pilot or be in, in action where they're like, Harry, they sent him out. And so William never got to even do the things that he wanted to do. He was delayed even going to the military because he had to go to university, whereas Harry could just jump right in. So Harry outranked William because William got into the military after Harry and that caused a lot of tension. And then I definitely think William was so jealous of like, 
because William was a fan of suits. Him and William and Kate were like avid suits watchers. So they knew Meghan Markle. And so I'm sure William was just like, you're dating the hot actress from my favorite show. Like, I'm sure there was jealousy, even though he loves his wife. I'm sure there there was just so much jealousy. So much jealousy. And you know what? Um, uh, One of the cookies wrote into my podcast and she was like, you know what? Um, Harry's getting to live the life that William always wanted. And William is like, no, stay here and suffer with me. You're yes. my brother. We were both supposed to the do this. And so I, 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 oh, okay. Okay. So let's, let's dive back in. Cause we're coming up on weird. Well, later we're going to get into beards. Okay. So we go into some stuff about Camilla. They're not allowed to talk about their mom in the press. So, so they rarely talk about her. And it's because Charles thinks it'll make Camilla look bad. He hates Camilla so much when she's going to marry his dad. He, they ask their dad, they're like, please don't marry Camilla. Like, be with her, obviously, but like, don't marry her. Charles is like, yeah, I'm marrying her. So they go to the wedding. He says, maybe if Camilla was happy, she'd be less dangerous. Right. Dangerous. Then... As his dad marries Camilla, he whispers goodbye. Whispering goodbye when people get married is going to be a big theme in this book. And then Camilla is going to end up being behind a lot of the uh, leaked stories to the press about Meg, I Yes. Believe. Remember when Camilla met Meg? He brings Meg to meet his dad and Camilla. And he says at one point, and King Charles like loved Meg. And they were getting on so great and they're in conversation. He says at one point, you know, us four were all talking and then it was my dad and Meg just like getting on about something and just having so much fun. And he was like, and then it was me and Camilla kind of making small talk about the weather. And he was like, but she was barely listening because you could tell she was just like, she was even jealous of like, don't talk to my husband, Meg. Like she couldn't stop. You know, that's just Harry's interpretation of it. But also there, but he did keep going back with however much he hated Camilla and wanted, I could tell he was holding back a little bit. And we get that sense of it. He did say that she made his dad happy and that's what he wanted. And that was undeniable. And there's something about that that made me happy that Charles had a little bit of lightness in his life because he just seemed like such as like, he Camilla did make his dad happy and he was happy for that, even though he feels like he lost him to her. Yeah, I mean, and and the real, you know, Megan... And Harry, M and H are are posed as the love story. The true love story is Charles and Camilla. And Harry writes in the book, like, they put star-crossed lovers to shame because through it all, these two are just forever, forever attached. They have these, like, there's that phone conversation that got spilled where he's talking about, like, living in her her trousers and being a little tampon. And it's just like, yeah, they fucking love each other. embarrassing. I, like, I remember hearing that and then having to, like, dump it from my brain. Like, that was just, I cannot believe. And that that was another thing is like throughout the book, King Charles was able to really um, empathize with Harry's getting trashed in the press because he, he, had, he had been he, through it, it too. To him. And so I thought that was yes. a sweet uh, component of their relationship. Yeah. And, and he, he really dearly loves his dad, which yes. just a tiny little tangent. People always talk about, and it's in the book where he's like people, uh, every article ever written about me will bring up uh, this redheaded ginger, I forget his name, it's uh, Sar- Sergeant James. He's like a horse guy. And um, they'll say that like, he's actually my dad. And it broke my fucking heart for him because yes. one, if, if one, he truly loves his father and everyone's saying it's not his dad. Two, he doesn't have his, a mom. So this man truly is not his father. He, he got nobody. Three, it would literally kick him out of the, it would boot him from the monarchy. He, and and this is what they bring up to him every day as someone who's lost his mom. It really made me young sad. When that, I remember when that yeah, rumor like, broke. Yes. He was like 14 or 15 when people, 
The press is trying to collect his DNA. Everyone in... Everyone, everywhere he goes is thinking about, like, your dad is not your real dad. You're a little bastard child. Like, that that to me was the moment where I go, this kid had it so fucking rough. He's still mourning his mom's loss. And then now the story, they were nice to him for a little bit. You know, they were nice about the kids. As soon as he got to be an adolescent, it seemed like, oh, you're old enough now. We can take you down. And then it was just nonstop. Which is... Two to three years after yeah. Princess Di's yeah. death. And listen, as somebody whose dad did turn out to not be their dad, I had so much empathy for him where it was just like, this is like Ugh. the identity component of this is so painful. I just feel really sad. And then I also, when I was book clubbing this on my Instagram, people like were sending me pictures like this has to be his dad. And I was like, I cannot even, this is not funny to me. Well, he said <laughs> that. Really sad. When did you find out your dad wasn't your dad? When I was 14. Oh, my God. Four, yeah, 14 or 15. Wait, wow, how did I actually you didn't find put that out? together. Ugh, I've talked about it on the podcast before. My mom told me. Okay. But, um, but yeah. yeah Brutal. It's, it's tough. It's so tough. I mean, like, that's just a whole loss of an identity. Like, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, that would be like the death of a parent, honestly. I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's very similar. Absolutely. And people are constantly planting it in his head. Ugh. It just made me... It made me really sad for him. I thought he handled it really well. I thought well he, the, it, the way that he said, there's no way that could be because they didn't know each other when I was born. Like, I felt like he gave, he's not even going to dive into trying to prove it. He's just like, stop it. There's no fucking way. And so I, I just want to believe him, even though they do look similar. <laughs> but he looks like <laughs> Charles also, too. Listen, and here's the, this was also like the worst thing too, is that, um, is that I know, I know for a fact in the back of his head, there's a little, and the, the press planted it. Is he not my dad? Did he sneak into the palace before blah, blah, blah? Yeah. And he can't, you can't find out. You can't find out. It'll ruin your life again. Mm. So you just, you just, you just gotta go, no. Yeah. It's gonna, I can't ruin my life more. Uh, anyways, really, really hurt me. Now that said, uh, back into the, another big thing in the book we have to talk about is Prince Thicko. Oh yeah. Which is another nickname the press gives him. So this is where I a little bit turned because in interviews, I think he's so lovely. Um, in the book, there were a couple of moments where I was like, yo, I know you're fighting against Prince Thicko and you've really, you're really demonstrating Prince Thicko <laughs> within the book, which is a bummer because there's a ghostwriter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, So wh- where do you feel that he shows okay. up as Prince Thicko? Okay, uh, three, three moments I'll call out. In his chat with Meg, uh, he says, and Prince in the book, I'm not much for books. Yeah. In... A book. It's <laughs> like, okay, this is this is sort of, you know what I mean? Sometimes the, the book wasn't always the best to me. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. You don't fucking like books. Perhaps it's, I don't know what other one you've read. Then at another point, he's like, I'm going to get a tattoo. Oh, yeah. And he, he genuinely loves Botswana. It's where he went and found a lot of his identity that was taken from him. So I do get it. But he's like, I'll get a tattoo of Botswana on the sole of his foot. <laughs> it's like an, like an Englishman stepping on to Botswana. Yeah, I was the, like, the, yeah the, that's, <laughs> the metaphor isn't good. I, yeah. Yeah. Thank God they I, talked I, him out I, of that. Yes, and like, I do get why they included it because he ends up doing something much worse that night, yes. which is that he himself, not someone else, 
He suggests to a room full of strangers in Vegas while filled with drugs and alcohol that they should play strip poker. They obviously take a photo of him and his ass is printed Mm -hmm. everywhere for everyone to see. This is not, like, he has been through enough to know to not do that. That's, Uh, that's, I mean, this guy had an alcohol problem and a drug problem for sure for a while. And that's, I think, the power of those substances is just makes that seem like a good idea. And this guy was, like, no wonder he had addiction problems. I, I don't know about addiction, but just drug and alcohol use yeah. problems. Um, because he, I don't, I don't know how everyone in that family doesn't. I mean, they all have, have to have something that gets out their rage and anger because they all have it. And um, yeah, I found like, I just found out him to be a dumb boy. Then don't, but don't put the tattoo story in the book is what I'm saying. I guess because it's I not on your foot. Because I'd be mad no if one they has didn't to know. put it. Because I, th- there was a lot of that in this book of like, why did we need to know you have a fr- frostbitten penis? Why do we need to know about the tattoo? Why do we need to, like, I, I, and I thought it was like, he, it's all out there. Like, if I'm putting that, you're not going to doubt that I'm holding anything else back. I'm a yes, classic yes. oversharer myself and I leave people kind of going like, we didn't need to know that. I, one of my, like, people always ask like, what's the worst heckle story? And it's just a girl saying, ew. And I go, oh, you've never <laughs> had cum on your face or something? You know, whatever I was talking about. And she goes, I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't say it into a microphone. And I was like, oh, okay. That is, <laughs> You're that, like, well, that's, that's a good that's point. That's my profession. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I I think I am having my own reaction to everyone going like, TMI. And I'm like, oh, this is what I built my career off of. So I think I'm bristling <laughs> against everyone being like, yes, we don't need every detail, Harry. And I'm like, yes, here's, I like, here's what I Here's what I think. Because I'm also like, I'm thrilled, thrilled by this sure. story. I love that I have it. The thing where I'm like, don't put it in the book is that he's so bothered by Prince Thicko. It's not funny. Right, right. He is using the book to be like, I am not a Prince Thicko. His dad is like, you're not a scholar. Like he he really doesn't want to do that. And that's where I'm like, okay, then then you gotta crack well, this a think bit differently. The smartest men are ones that can and the smartest people are ones that can admit where they fucked up. And, and can laugh about it and reflect on it and say, I don't want to be that person. So I felt like I needed that. Like I need stories of, of redemption from him where he was a complete idiot and how he made it right. And I think like he really yeah, offered yeah. that in this book. Like even, you know, getting into part three, his relationship with Meg, sharing some less, uh, less than uh, savory moments between where he... Because you look at them and you just go, they're perfect. I like, I, I'm so jealous of the relationship. But then I go, oh, he's not... He wasn't always just the most loving. Like he screamed at her once, and you know, that whole thing. So I, yeah. just, I, I loved, I loved the details in this book, and I know I did it was too. too much, but yeah, and it, only too much if you if you don't want the Prince Thicko title. There were a couple yes. moments where I was like, he. So he printed out the text uh, that of a letter he wrote to Meg when he like lost his phone. Blah blah. The letter was painful. It was like, yes, you are yes. not a man of words. And he talked about it. He's like, you know, he's he does so well in the army because he's like so visual and tactile and actual. Like that, he like really shines. Yes. Like flying these jets and these helicopters. Not a man of words, but also this is a book. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's, a, it's words. He wrote in. He's just like I. He wrote the words sad face. So it's like three sentence letter. It's like, <laughs> hello, miss you, broke my phone, sad face. See you later. And I was just like, oh my God, the fucking monarchy is famous for the love letters put You're to museums so right. and blah. And it's just like, oh boy. And he like took a picture of it to send to her because he didn't have a phone. Fo- like he he's he's a sweet boy that's trying and 
It was not. Yes, I I completely agree with you. There was some stuff that I was like, oh, she definitely was had to like overlook some stuff and like. uh, No, I think she I think she's I think they match. Okay, back into the book. So um, there's a little section where. Harry's like, I I loved my time in Botswana. I want to like do more charity work. And and Willie is like, Africa's my thing. And like Africa was their mother's thing, which also Africa, n- none of y'all's thing. It's an entire continent. It's like, what do you mean all of Africa? But they have a legit fight where they are fighting over who gets to do charity work in Africa, which does make William look bad, but also makes Harry look bad. Right, right. I mean, like, what are you guys doing? Two princes fighting over who gets to save elephants in Africa? I th- what are you doing? I, I'm faulting Willie for this one. I mean, I think Harry has a right to be like, I want to go there too. But yes, I think that um, just the glorification of Africa and saving him and like, I there was a, there was a lot of that in there that felt um, just... You know, like tough. I don't know. I don't. What's the word I'm looking for? I, it's it's a little cringe because yes, it is, is on Willie. Like Willie, shut the fuck up. You guys can both have charities in Africa. Like you guys are both morons. I just it's just tough to to think about them having this fight. I, and good thing Harry's like Harry goes forward and tracks elephants and and tries to help save. Yes, them. yes, and runs for like eight miles, like with or like you know. Barefoot. 5k barefoot because he had, you know he was used to doing that in the military. I will say I just respect his. Um, th- that's what they said in the military. He never feared death. And he was like, oh, I, I, I don't care about death. Ever since I was 12, I haven't feared death. I don't know if that, he never referenced like, I want to see my mom again, so I don't care about dying. Or like, I didn't understand death because she died. But um, saying that he didn't fear death after he was 12, I thought was, you know, interesting. Because he doesn't yeah. get into that yeah. again. Like, wh- why? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, but... But it also has, like, a lot of depth. Like, he, yeah, he is really quite fearless. He's fearless yes. in doing this book. Yes. Uh, okay, so then uh, William marries Kate, doesn't find out from Willie, finds out from, uh, like, one of his press secretaries, and he writes this. Now, as Willie focused on wedding preparations, I wished him well and turned sharply inward. I thought long and hard about my singlehood. I'd always assumed I'd be the first to be married because I wanted it so badly. Mm. To... to to that end, I say, then stop going to the North Pole. <laughs> He's like living at the North Pole at yes. this point. He's just constantly going on North Pole <laughs> expeditions. I'm like, what are you doing? And um, I want to segue this into just kind of like all of his romances listed. Mm-hmm. So there's Chelsea Davy, That's like the long standing one. Um, Cressida, the, the first person to help him cry since his mother's mm-hmm. death when he was 12. Caroline Flack, mm-hmm. who um, has since... Uh, died by suicide mm-hmm. because of the press hounding her. She was the host of Love Island. And then he also kind of talks about like a page three girl that he like got caught up with for a night. Those are kind of the yes. the women in his life. I loved all of this because this, how he talks about the women before Meg in his life made me realize that Meg is a pretty cool chick because he really like has a lot of love for these girls and kind of talks about their relationships in almost like real time, like that you, I I just know I'm someone who doesn't get jealous of ex-girlfriends and I kind of like, I don't know. I'm someone who just is not jealous of my boyfriend with other people or whatever. I don't have, I'm not like non-monogamous, but I just, I've never really had that because I'm like, you're with me now. Like I won. Like I just don't care about the past. But knowing most of my girlfriends, almost literally every woman I know, they would not be okay with the flowery language that he talks about these women and like their love stories and how much he loved them. I thought that, 
this might mean Meg is pretty secure because she definitely helped him with this book and read it. And so I feel like most, I feel like most people I know would have been like, okay, ease off on how calling her Chels and like (laughs) how I had to call Chels. You were thinking about her all night in Africa and the moonlight and how you had to call her when you got back and how, you know, just, I felt like too, he was just like so open about it. I felt like he wasn't holding back at all. I feel like most memoirs before their wives, you just kind of, they're blips. The women are blips. They're all dead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But this was like, I mean, almost like he was still with these women. Like he just really captured how he felt at the time. And I thought that was pretty cool. I thought, well, I will say, I, I am someone who, if my husband were to write a memoir, I'd be like, yeah. oh, you never dated yeah, before no. me. You were a virgin, right? You losing yes. your virginity <laughs> to me and to your book. Rewrite history. I don't care. You never dated before. Sure. So, but yeah, the, the love story he writes about Chelsea and like driving through the night to get back to mm-hmm. her and like evading people just so we could see her again. I was like, shit, this I is was getting pretty jealous. fucking romantic. I was like, yeah, I was like, a prince is like showing up on her doorstep covered oh, in sweat, running, running from a safari just to stuff. see me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, but you're right. And I also do think, too, like, had he been negative, um, he would have been sure. ripped to But pieces. he could have just glossed, yeah. is what I'm saying. And he didn't gloss. He could have glossed, yes. He didn't gloss. He gave them a lot of, like, love and, and trust. Yes. You're right. So then, um, you know, he's been going to North Pole a lot. <laughs> William and Kate are getting married. And his todger is frostbitten. And I am going to, you've probably seen this clip going around online if you've tuned in, but I'm going to, I'm, oh, I'm no, going to read haven't, it. I haven't, because I was avoiding all spoilers in the press. Oh, oh, great. Okay. So a lot of people have clipped this audio of, of what I'm about to read. I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mom used that on her lips. You want me to put it on my todger? Oh. It works, Harry. Trust me. I found a tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room. Then I took a smidge and applied it, dot, 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 down there. Weird doesn't really do the feeling justice. (laughs) No, (laughs) again, again. This does not fix the torture, okay? He still has to go to— So we didn't need this. We didn't—and specifically— his mom, he's, it's like he's putting his mom on his dodger. On his dick. <laughs> mummy, yes. mummy on the top, mummy on the willy. I was like, this, this is, is why I incredible. like this guy. For me as a really raunchy comedian who shares this kind of stuff that sometimes sounds like, you know, I I blur the, like I kind of like making incest jokes. I don't, like, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I I inject this stuff all the time where people go, oh, no one needs to hear that. And my, obviously my dad is deeply uncomfortable by it all. Like I appreciated this because I'm like, I have never heard someone outside of a comedy club put your mom and your dick in the same kind of story. The same sentence. Let alone a a, a former royal. I felt like this was, I felt really seen by this story, even though it was so, it was way too much and it made me cringe and the whole thing. I I loved it as a, a filthy comedian. I was like, oh good. It, I I feel I feel like I could be royal someday. Like I felt like yeah. there are things I've said that make me feel like I couldn't marry certain people. Like I sometimes feel like a porn star with the stuff that I've talked about where it's like you couldn't get certain jobs. So you might not be able to host late night because you've talked about and I felt yeah. I liked I liked the idea of being open about shameful, some what sexual awkward things in this way. And I think 
I read that as like, oh, maybe more people will just talk about stuff like this openly and it won't be so weird when I do it. But I don't know. That's just how I, I read it. But <laughs> okay, yeah, it is weird. Abs- I absolutely love that take on it. Uh, but, <laughs> but if I was the ghostwriter, this is what I would have said. Yeah. I would have said, okay, so move the sentence up. My mom... <laughs> My mom used that on her lips. Anytime I ever smell Elizabeth Arden, it sort of makes me think of my mom. So so that's the connotation I have. Then down below, but I was desperate. And so I put some on my todger. Now your mom is not in the same sentence. As your talking. Oh my God. Just really could have used you on this one. That is, no, you're, that's a perfect edit. You're so right. It's just like, (laughs) okay. Then there's a trip to the US. He's at Courtney Cox's house doing shrooms. Yes. He's a big fan of Friends. He's like, oh my God, I'm in Courtney Cox's house. He has said that he is Chandler, Matthew Perry tie in. He's like, I'm Chandler. Now I'm here with Monica. He's like on shrooms. And then I have to read what happens on page 260. He says, I whispered to my mate, where do I know this guy from? My mate laughed, Batman. Sorry, Batman. I was into my third or fourth tequila, so I was having trouble understanding and processing this remarkable bit of new information. Fuck yes, Batman Lego movie. I turned back to the actor and asked, is it true? Is what true? Are you him? Am I Batman? He smiled, yes. What a thing to be able to say. I begged, do it. (laughs) Do what? The voice. Okay, who was now, Batman Lego? Is it Chris Pratt? It's Will Arnett. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. But I, I have to say, so this was a moment where I was like, this entire the He's entire book, <laughs> but the entire book is like fame and press, and I didn't want this, and people treat you like fucking garbage. And the moment he's at a private party, he demands an actor do the voice. Like, there's honestly nothing more cringe. And I was like, okay, your awareness is a little more narrow than I would have thought. I kind of liked it because I go, oh, he is just, around Hollywood stars, he's just like all of us. You know, like he, he doesn't know how to act. You would think, yeah, that would translate, and it doesn't because he's... I mean, he was so, he's just so sheltered. Anytime he gets out and does anything, he puts his foot in his mouth. He's so, yeah, yeah. And I think like, granted, you know, Will Arnett chose to be an actor. Prince Harry did not choose to be a prince, but you still, the the idea of like how you're treated when you're famous is a, that that blends over that, to, to both, you know? Yes, you would think. And that really Ugh. did make me cringe when he was like, say my name. Like he wanted him to say like, Hi, Harry. Like, it, it was just like a yeah. child. Like, hi, Harry. It was so weird. <laughs> I, I did. I, I really, I, was like, I like blacked uh, that part of the book out because it made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. And it's not only that it happened. It's that, again, he's like, I think he's telling it to us, like, isn't this fucking yeah, cool I, that I fucking met Batman? He, yeah, he made, that, that is exactly it. And even like when he was like, I need to tell Courtney that I'm Chandler. I was like, please don't. Please, please no. do that. Like, but I, was like, I don't know if he you did have or not. To I'm know sure you're he Prince did. Harry. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent sure he did. <laughs> that he did. Oh God. Also, he's on shrooms. There could be a portion of the night where, like, he was like, "Marry me, like your Monica," and I'm Chandler. Yes. Like, we don't know. We don't know what happened. Um, okay, now we're gonna take a quick little break. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna play a pseudo advertisement. Um, we have a book club, and on it, I heard my friend uh, Chris DeRosa give a hilarious rant about Harry and Meghan. I want you to hear it. And also, the first thing he talks about, I did not ask him to talk about it, but here it is. 
Hello, Celebrity Book Club podcast. This is Krista Rosa. I am one of the sugar cookies. Most of you do not know me, but Chelsea has told me that if I record a rant about my frustrations with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, that she will play it on the podcast. And who am I to say no to that? But before I do go on my rant, there is something that I have to tell you. If you're toying with the thought of possibly joining the sugar cookie tier on the Patreon to do a monthly book club on Zoom with Chelsea and all the sugar cookies, toy no further. I can't stress to you enough how much fun it is. We are laughing. We're crying together. We're sharing very deep, dark moments that we've had. We're making fun of the books. We're making fun of each other. We're making fun of ourselves. It is so much fun. Chelsea will tell you, I have sat in the back seat of my own car and made my boyfriend drive me as if he was my Uber driver so that I could get on my computer and do the book club with everyone else and told him, don't speak. I'm doing book club. Like, just be silent. That's how much I love this book club. Not to mention the people that I've met in the sugar cookie tier I now speak to every single day on Instagram. And Chelsea did not ask me to do this. This will come as a surprise to her the first time she hears it, but I could not come on this podcast and not rant and rave about the book club. And I believe that I can speak for all the sugar cookies when I thank Chelsea for creating this group because we truly do have the best time. So again, if you're thinking about signing up, stop thinking, do it, at least for a month. And then if you hate it, you can tell me and cancel. And Chelsea, if you cut this part out, I will come for you publicly. So you better let me shower you with this praise because you deserve it. Okay, moving on to Harry and Meghan. I hope that Harry and Meghan Markle are listening because I need them to know. I'm begging. I'm pleading. I'm on my knees praying that they stop trying to be relatable. I want to root for them so badly, but right when I think they're coming out on top, they ruin it by trying to be funny or making jokes or somehow position themselves to become an elevated version of Chip and Joanna Gaines. I need them to know that they will never be that. They will never, ever, 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 ever be relatable. Harry does not have a last name. I will repeat. Harry is so famous that he does not possess a last name. Not that he just doesn't go by his last name, like he only goes by his first name, like your Shares or your Madonnas or your Whitney's. No, he literally does not have a last name. And in his book, Spare, he literally refers to his mother as the most recognizable person on the planet, which was true at the time. No one on this planet will ever relate to that or be able to relate to that. The fact that no one on their team is telling them that this, that like they'll never be relatable is a crime against humanity. I'm serious. It's, 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 it's they should be put up on charges. That's how criminal this is. Now, I've said this to about basically anyone that would listen to me. And it made me think that if no one is going to be frank with celebrities that are out of control, why should I not do that? So, as you may guess, I'm creating a new podcast called Fixing Famous People, where me and my co-host Dominic Pupa tell celebrities exactly what they need to do in order to get their public reputation back on track. It's going to be coming out soon, but you can subscribe to Fixing Famous People now anywhere you find podcasts. Chelsea, Godspeed in tackling this behemoth of a book. I'm praying for you. Good night and good luck. 
Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, we're back. Um, I also cannot wait for their podcast. Okay, so what Chris was talking about is um, Meg and Harry and their need to be likable, Mm -hmm. which I have to say is all they have to trade up. Like, that's all they have left now. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what they've Mm got to, like, make their their bank on. Not not necessarily like likability, but they're like celebrity. now they're just selling themselves. Yeah. yeah they're celebrity. Mm-hmm. And so this will bring us to part three, which is titled captain of my soul. And it's a picture of him mm-hmm. and Meg. What did you think of the, t- the like, I, I mean, part I'm three just so title. jealous. Like, honestly, like I, this is my dream is to be like loved as much as she is in a relationship. <laughs> as much as you're, I want a man to love me as much as his dead mother that he'll never see. Like this is, he's he's projecting all of that onto her. She can do no wrong. He would do anything for her. I mean, it's a fairy tale. It makes me so jealous. That's why I didn't like her It before. It was like, ugh, she got, she's a princess now. She wanted this. And then I kind of thought about it and I go, this woman has done nothing differently than anything I've done to get a guy. Like, so what if she dressed a different way or tried to act a different way or like, I, we're all doing that to get yeah. love. So I, we're all playing the I game. I would have done. Ev- I would have been so much more uh, desperate than the. And, and by the way, she got him because she wasn't desperate. This bitch did not. She, this, she left the first she date game. on a dime because she had other plans. Uh, I would have been like, let's go to Botswana now. I will cancel my sister's wedding that I have to be in. I would have done anything <laughs> for this guy. And it's a master class in like how to get guys to like you. Be unavailable. Be busy. I mean. 
I wrote, I wrote across the entire page, this woman has game. game. Like I've never seen. Oh my God. And 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 on top of that, it's it's a t- it's tough because it's like, have you ever read the rules? Yeah. Oh yeah. Book, oh yeah. Rules. I'm big into that these books. Uh, okay, I fucking hate that book. And I was like, God damn it, Meg, you're just being like the rules. They works. do, but unfortunately, what she <laughs> what she does specifically is that she spends little less than an hour meeting yep. him, and um, he's late, and she's and not then, happy. Which she's not happy. She's like, get out of the car rude, now. Rude. That's. Rude. Remember when she talked? She says, get out of the car and walk. And he's like, I can't. I'm Prince And that's Harry. what made me realize, like, she, oh, she really, I thought, oh, this girl researched everything. She knows exactly what's happening. She's playing dumb like she doesn't know. I really think she didn't understand. There's one that, that one clip in Harry and Meghan where they ask her, like, Harry or William, which which prince? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like, know. I really believe yeah, she didn't yeah. know. This wasn't, like, her master plan. I mean, once it probably was in her you know, crosshair. She was like, yes, let's do it. But I feel like she didn't seek this out. It just- Well, I also find it so, it is such a huge part. And I I don't know if it was purposefully, so I guess I can't say an error, but like, it's such a huge narrative of did Meg research him or not? And I'm like, who the fuck cares? But it is- it has now become so important. There's people on TikTok being like, she did know how to curtsy and the, 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 the and Who it's like, wouldn't research they, if she did it? It's weird. I can't even believe she did it. Yeah. But every single I person also, like, would you do that. You did research a little, and that's okay. I and you guys should have. That, like, you know, on Raya, who have one name. And I'm like, what? Like, we all research. Of I've, course I've researched you would. Men, men without jobs <laughs> who can offer me nothing. I know every ex they've ever yes. had. So, of course, she yes. would, but we're, uh, I'm villain. Organizing her, I used to for the same things I would have done that she did better, you know, like or that she she's just so to me like so flawless and and at the same time it, the way she is flawed or the perfect ways. I just was I'm just so jealous of her and that was fueling wow. my I- like resentment and now I've just embraced it and I'm like she's just great. There's a couple moments where I was just like really you're that perfect in this book, but I just think she is. I just I think she can't I, help it. Nikki, I love this. I have to say I I actually uh I'm a little out on this love story which bums me Come out. On, give I was, me it. I was I was neutral to positive coming into this, and I get me out of it because I gotta stop comparing my own relationship. <laughs> it is not fair to my boyfriend for me to be like you. Do, you don't treat me like Harry. I will say this: I do think they're a perfect match. Yes. I very much believe in their love. As to me being a fan of it, let me let me begin at the fir- page one yes. of part three. Okay. He's on Instagram and he sees a video and this is his description of what it's like when he sees her face. I'd traveled the world from top to bottom, literally. That's true, he went to the North Pole. I'd hopscotched continents. I'd met hundreds of thousands of people. I'd crossed paths with a ludicrously large cross-section of the planet's seven billion residents. For 32 years, I'd watched the conveyor belt of faces pass by and only a handful ever made me look twice. This woman stopped the conveyor belt. This woman smashed the conveyor belt to bits. I'd never seen anyone so beautiful. This is this is just, <laughs> he's visually like, visually this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And she has a Snapchat filter on her face. She, she has a dog <laughs> yeah. filter on her face. A full on fucking dog filter, ears, nose, and, and she tongue. She smashed the conveyor belt with that fucking dog face. <laughs> 
This is where I'm like, I'm so fucking out. And how was your ghostwriter not like, why don't you describe the feeling you you felt compelled? If he was like, I don't know what it was. She was a fucking Dalmatian. And yet somehow I thought to myself, I, I, I have to know more. I think there's a beautiful woman. Instead, he's like, visually, the hottest chick I've ever seen has a fucking dog nose and ears and like wags its tongue. Yeah. I just like, Okay, I'm buying. I I like at first I was like that. I was so jealous and like, oh, my God, this is really how he felt. I think I think you're right. It's somewhere along the line. He's I believe he thinks that's how he felt when he first saw it. But it was probably just like his dick twitched a little bit. And he was just like, like his. Yeah, he kind of got slack jawed a little bit and was like, what? You know, like. I think that's probably the real story. But, uh, you know, now. Yeah. And, and I do think, I mean, she's the most beautiful. She's so Insane. beautiful. I, she she does look beautiful as a dog. I just find it so weird to write it like this. Like, save the beauty paragraph for when you meet her. And right here, just say you something about yeah, it. <laughs> I, I, again, the Elizabeth Arden, like, let's just stack these stories. Let's, like, rearrange this a little bit. Yeah, you. It, this could have used it at it. I, they... The, the his like obsession with her and his love for her really nauseates me. But at the same time, I think it's just I because I want it so bad. So even though it's so oh, flowery uh, yeah, and like yeah. just put put on, I just I can't help but be like, oh God, this is what every woman deserves. And I think it is. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, every woman does deserve a man to see through a fucking VR filter <laughs> and be like, you're the one. You're I the one. Gr- like bad absolutely. for the other girl in the in the video. I'm like, this poor girl. Yeah, his friend his friend Violet. <laughs> yeah, his friend Violet. Um and how is um, she friends? How is Meg friends with like Serena Williams? How does she have like a permanent stay at the Soho London house? Like, how was she just like and she's always been this way, I guess. Just like everyone wants to be friends with her. Like how, I want to know how she's friends. I want her book. I can't wait but for also, it. But also like, but also like, you know, Hollywood people. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not like knocking this, but like just quantifiably, you have to have done that climb. Yes. You have to have. To be in the box watching Serena Williams and while Suits is a big show, it's not like, it's not like you're, it's not Courtney Cox. Do you right. know what I mean? But like, she did have to do some, so, uh, you know, wheeling and dealing, which is also totally mm-hmm. fine. But you're right. She was living. So, okay, here's the other thing. So just what you said, Soho London House. Meg is the one who makes the reservation for their date because they can't, he's Prince Harry. He can't and just he meet in public. And he did ask her so to come she, over, but she was like, I'm not going to your place yet. Rules. Yeah, I'm not going to your fucking rules. house. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, total rules. But she makes a reservation at the Soho House quiet room. Here's Here's my feeling. Nothing makes more sense to me than their first dates and their special place being the Soho house, a place I find fucking disgusting. Yes. I have, I, I don't so... know your feelings on the Soho house, but I think it's like ev- the the worst of Hollywood uh, united in uh, wealth. I agree, <laughs> but I think at their age, at her age at that time, 2016, it was like cool. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't It's as, a hot spot. Like na- now I, I, I would be, grossed out if they were still going there. I'm sure they do just to like relive there. They do. Also, so many people do. I will say this. I was on Raya in 2016 Mm -hmm. and a dude was like, come meet me at the Soho (laughs) house. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. So you are on record as being not into the Soho house. I would go there today. Yeah. yeah. Um, But (laughs) I agree. It it grossed me out. And I was like, she's the type of girl I just want to be where everyone's just like, oh, she just... 
you know, even her suits co-stars in the documentary are like, she's just united us as a cast. Like she just made everyone happy. She knew everyone's name. Like she's just who you, she's Diana. She's Diana. She is. She is. Yeah. And she, and he's not wrong to be like, this person is like made for this role in my life. Um, Okay. So they, they're like, oh my God, uh, we're so busy this summer. She's like, I'm doing single, single girl summer. They have one week free. They're like, can it be the same week? It is. Save one week for magic. Her, her friend for said. For magic. I don't yeah, believe I was that like, Come story. On. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck no. Uh, and here's the thing. She was probably like, I booked the whole summer. However, this is Prince Harry. I do find him hot. Uh, I'm going to lie and say there's one week free. And whatever week you say, I'm going to say it's my magic week. I would totally that, do that. That would be, that would be. I bet that's what happened, and I, uh, I praise her for being that conniving. Yes. Like that's that would be if I could think about what my plan would be, it would be that of like I do have I only have one week, and we'll see if it works out, and then I would make it that week. Like I would drop. Yeah, it. my absolutely. friends were like, because I was like, God, I want to go to Botswana with like a guy I just met who like, and like, and they go, you like, I really don't like the outdoors at all, and I'm like, I would do anything. I would, I would play the part of the girl who likes to fucking safari and and you know do. Uh, I absolutely went on a camping yeah. trip with a guy <laughs> and hated every fucking yes. moment of it and was like, oh my God, I love it. Um, yeah, I've been absolutely, scuba absolutely. certified but- and I'm like terrified of it because <laughs> I liked a guy and we went to, you know, like there's, yeah, I yeah. thought she was like that, but I think she actually, when she goes to Botswana, my one thing that the only thing in the book that really nauseated me and I, there's only two moments and just because I am so jealous was that he thought she was, because she was an American actress, she was going to have this huge suitcase. It had, like, just a yoga mat in it. Yes. That takes up a lot of space. And no makeup. Okay, think about this, Chelsea. If you were, like, Prince Hair or whatever, like, your dream man invites you to Botswana for, like, and you've never, she's been to Rwanda, I guess, but, like, I don't know what the fuck I would buy. I would, like, buy all new stuff. I, like, I would try to look so cute in all the pictures. Like, my suitcase would be big, but I would also be trying to make it small so I didn't seem like I was that... You know, um, oh yeah, yeah. Maintenance. I would be. I would order five pairs <laughs> of shorty shorts that, yes. to find the right fit, and then I would try and like rough it up outside to look like they weren't yes. new. Yes, yes. He goes. I was shamefully stereotyping. American actress equals diva. To my shock and delight, there was nothing in that suitcase but bare essentials: shorts, ripped jeans, and snacks, and a yoga mat. And then she's doing so. Okay, so first night in Botswana, like you're like with this new guy. And then you wake up in the morning and you go, she lays out her yoga mat and then she- By the river. By the river. As the sun came up, I gave thanks for this day, then walked down to the main camp for a piece of toast. When I returned, I found Meg stretched on a yoga mat beside the river, warrior pose, downward dog, child's pose. I'm like, I would be like waking up to go find a bathroom to put on like makeup so I don't look like like hell for our breakfast. also like, like this- uh, they, She's you know, listen, perfect. maybe it's natural. A fucking mastermind, mastermind. He goes up to main camp and she rolls out a yoga mat by the river and begins stretching. Like, this is what I would do if I could oh, do yoga. Oh, that's a really a good point. Like, if I, if I could do yoga, I'd be like, I'm about to splay out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to go into some deep stretches. Yes. That being said, I she does do, she she does, she does yeah, yoga Yeah, of course for sure. she does. But She's amazing. This was the moment... That I thought that these were the two moments where I was like, I love that it's in here. You guys are such cornballs. Um, 
I mean, just so important, important enough to their love story that it's in the book. She asks where the flashlight is. And he's like, you mean a torch? And they're like, ha ha, in America, it's flashlight. And he's like, ha, we call it a torch. And and then it gets referenced later, like, it's the torch and the flashlight. And I was like, this is, god damn, are you guys so amazing? Oh, yeah, when, um, you, when you hear couples' stories of like, she's so funny. And you go, really? That, like, that's yeah. the, the moment? Yeah. Oh, she like... <laughs> choked on this cookie one and you're like oh hilarious like it's she's yes they definitely have the same type of humor they're 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 so perfect perfect for each other um yeah you're right well and then the other moment is like there's a a a, a lion roar no an elephant roar you know they're in the tent and it's like and she's like oh my god and he says don't worry i'll keep you safe and i can just feel him like jizz just like sputtering out his dick when he says it. You know what I mean? He's just like, oh, I'm going to keep her safe. I'm going to keep her safe. This is going to right all the wrongs of my life. I'm finally. Yes. And I think all all hetero men, I think like that is their erotica. Like you're going to fucking keep something safe. And they're like, no. Yes. (laughs) They want to be noble. They want to, yes, to protect. And like a scared girl just like nuzzled up. Like, uh, yeah. Like I scared. she, she, he was head over heels she should write a book I really about like how to get she a man it's like, coming. I really I think women could learn <laughs> from her I want her to write the rules because she she just was born just like knowing how to and like just even the Hollywood, yes. like the business side of things like I think I would I would read a book about how to how to live from her because she seems to to know what she's doing I would too I would too I would too I would too um, okay, so massive love story. When it finally comes out in the press, they not only um, are horrific and just invasive and awful as they are to, you know, all women in the monarchy especially, but it's racist. They're talking about her exotic DNA. They're talking about how she's from Compton, which isn't true and also just fucking sucks as like a headline. They're like, she's from ganglands. Like it's all all their British white supremacies, like worse nightmares. Um and so, uh, and then he does something really fucking weird. I'm, this is another part where I was a little out on the love story, which is that they're still getting to know each other, you know, because they're still within the first six months. And every single story that comes out in the press, now they're hounding like Meg's classmates and things like that. Every single story that comes out, he goes to her and says, is this true? And he's reading every opinion yes. about her, every article about her and saying, is this true? And I need to know if oh, it's not yeah. true. It's like, Okay, you're not making, the, you're definitely making this worse. Right. I mean, he couldn't, because he, he kept saying how his dad would always be like, don't read it, don't read it. And he couldn't help himself. I mean, he was so obsessed with the press and how much he hated that and that he couldn't help himself. And, um, oh, that was, I didn't clock that. But yeah, he did question her and believe believe them first almost. Like he was, he was like, I had to know what was true and false. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, you didn't. I I get reading it. I would never be able to not read it. But like, why do you have to then go to your brand new relationship? Mm-hmm. And he, he started the war early. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's asking her about every headline. Like, that cannot be good for y'all. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so then, uh, you know, wildly in love. And he goes, uh, he's like, I want to ask her to marry me. And he's told by one of the people that work for them that he has to ask permission from his grandmother, mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth. And I thought, I thought this was so weird. So he's like, he says, um, Granny wasn't exactly known for changing her mind. So this moment was either the start of my life or the end. It would all come down to the words I chose, how I delivered them, and how Granny yeah. heard them. And then, and then this is what he says. 
given, given those stakes. I coughed. Granny, you know I love Meg very much, and I've decided that I would like to ask her to marry me, and I've been told that, or that I have to ask your permission before I can propose. Yeah, yeah. She says, you have to? Um, well, yes, that's what your staff tells me, then, and my staff as well, that I have to ask your permission. I said, this is... <laughs> This was the best you well, had. This is classic Harry, just like fumbling, like these. He he's really nervous. He doesn't do well under pressure. He sweats. He's like not good at public speaking. Like he has anxiety. So I felt like this was exactly how he we have been set up to know him is to like kind of crumble under pressure and kind of like not do as well as he wanted to, given the stakes. So I felt like and yes. so nervous around her, obviously. Um, and I do believe like. It, this was the crucial moment. Like I, I believe that this was that meaningful it, it to him. And he couldn't was. get. A he couldn't. He was trying to like. It's uh, trying to get her alone. Trying to find a time that he could even ask was just so awkward to like live through. But yes. Oh, oh yeah. He's yeah. so flubbed. I, I just, and then she came I mean, back with like knew. you have to. And then she goes, well, then <laughs> yeah, I guess I yeah. have to say yes. And he's like, wait yeah. a second, do you? And, and then he, he's like, okay, I'll just say he yes. Writes, I'll just yeah. take it. Yeah. But wait, I want to read it because this also, it really weirded me out. He said, I stood completely still as motionless as the birds in my hands. Right. He's holding dead birds because they're like on a hunting trip. He he held dead birds in his hands as he asked (laughs) permission. Okay. I stared at her face, but it was unreadable. At last she replied, well then, I suppose I have to say yes. I squinted. You feel you have to say yes? Does that mean you are saying yes, but that you want to say no? I didn't get it. Was she being sarcastic, ironic, deliberately cryptic? Was she indulging a bit of wordplay? I'd never known Granny to do any wordplay, and this would be a surprisingly bizarre moment, not to mention wildly inconvenient for her to start, but maybe she just saw the chance to play off my unfortunate use of the word have and couldn't resist. It's like, you... Come on, dude. You set her up. You asked in the worst way possible, and she gave you the best quip yes. possible in she's return. Funny. And he's like, I didn't know why. And it's like, she's hilarious, she man. <laughs> and then he just he that, decides that was to, another just to say none go. of that. And he just goes, okay, thank you. And then like runs off. But yeah, it you can't, you get a sense that like, did she want to say yes? Like, and then the whole but, getting but, permission he thing. he wants us to. He wants us yes, to doubt he, it, though. Yes, do you know what I does. mean? Like, he's because the he's one who was up like, the what does no that one mean? Her, you know, which it turns yes. out to be, the, I think, the truth. But because she, at first, I think they were embraced it. And, you know, William's just always going to be jealous. But I think at first, you know, King Charles seemed to be happy with her. They all seem to be happy that he was settling down. I th- I, th- I think the queen, I do think the queen yeah. liked her. I've, like, the footage of them together. Okay. Now we're going to get into a section that I have titled Kate's Lip Gloss. And I'm just going <laughs> to <Yes>. read. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to list off like eight um, uh, little aggressions between the four of them. Uh, William and Kate and and Meg and Harry. Okay. William says, uh, you know, I miss our mom. I think, you know, I think of her often. I think she helped me find Kate. Harry's like, I totally agree. I feel the same. I think our mom, Diana, helped me find Meg. And Willie's like, no, she didn't. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Okay. Weird. Idiot. Then, weird. They have them over for dinner. Um, Kate is dressed to the nines. Meg is barefoot and in ripped Mm. jeans. The two women, so different. Then, uh, at some point, like, someone has, like, a headache or something. And Meg's like, let me get you some vitamins or something. And Kate makes a big show of saying she would never choose herbal remedies oh, yeah. to care yeah, for something. Yeah, Meg offers William like some herbal tincture stuff and then she's like, you're, he's not going to take those. Like, kinda, yeah. Yeah, she's like, it, like you, like, oh, you're freak, you're freak yeah. medicine. Yep. 
then there's something where Meg apologizes to Kate. She's like, I believe there was a misunderstanding. You thought I wanted your fashion contacts, but I have my own fashion mm-hmm. contacts. And, and I think there was a misunderstanding. Kate's like, actually, I'm mad that you said I had baby brain to my face and that my hormones were raging. And you need to apologize for talking about my hormones. My hormones. And then, my hormones. And Meg's like, I, what, I talked to all my girlfriends. Like, she was uh, basically Kate was like, I'm sorry I did this thing. She's like, it's fine. You have baby brain. And she's like, fuck you. I don't yeah. have, you don't know about my baby brain. Ugh. Then supposedly the start of the whole feud is early on at a speaking engagement. Meg doesn't have any lip gloss. And she asks Kate if she can borrow some lip gloss. Harry's like, this is an American thing. I've done, I've done some scientific research on my Instagram. I think it's just a personal thing. Some people will swap lip glosses. Some right. people won't, whatever. Kate is like, Ew. Disgusting. And she begrudgingly mm-hmm. gets out the tube of lip gloss. Meg puts some on her finger. Okay. We're, see, we're caring about germs. And Kate's like, you're fucking dead to me. She, that, and that was the start of it. Because it was early on when they were like the fab four. It was like for one of those first appearances where they were all together. And yeah. just, and they're wearing, yeah. But also, Go back and look at the tape. But also like, that's not, that's not the start of it. The start of yeah. it is, uh, her beauty, her looks, probably your racism. Like, you know what I mean? There's no way this no, starts over it's, lip gloss. All also, she's you're, you're a monster. straws for why she doesn't like her. Uh, at all of these reasons. Yes. Yes. Also, you guys are so fucking rich. Give her the goddamn yeah. lip gloss. Like, I mean, literally at New Year's, my friend was like, I like your lipstick. And I took the tube out of my Just pocket and I said, it to- it's, yes. it's yours. Yes. Yes. Like, you guys I are all Kate freaks. Is miserable. Living like that, where you have, don't talk about my hormones. Don't share lip gloss. Like, what closeness does she have in her life? And what she was not born into this family. Like, where did she come no. from that you don't share lip gloss? I've seen her drunk in the back of a car. She didn't, she used to be like somewhat normal. Yeah, like she, sometimes she wears like the same riding boots twice. And I'm like, oh, she's so normal. And I'm like, where did this come yeah. from? Where she is Or just just give her the gloss. Like you can think it's right. disgusting. If it's a germ, but thing, just sure. be like, who gives a fuck? Like, yes. help her out. It's, yeah. I feel, lo- yeah, I feel very really sad for tough. Kate. I feel like she's a lonely, miserable person and and so hungry. Yeah. And and they made her yeah. that way. So Every hungry. time I see her, I'm oh. like, oh no. Like, come. And, and I've, you know, I have eating disorder stuff in my past. So I understand it's more complicated than that. And so Diane off, off, like obviously suffered with that. But I just see, I just see a girl that is really wound up tight and, and pretty, I think probably miserable based on from what I hear in this book, even though Harry seems to have love for her and had, had gotten along well with her. He does. But when he lists his, he's like, oh, and Kate, um, she was lovely. She was so fun and she loved clothes. And then he repeats it. Boy, did she oh! love clothes. I said, oh, okay. that was a that was little a little dig. bow and arrow sent across yep. the seas to hit her straight in the heart. <laughs> yeah. And he also says that when he dressed up as a Nazi, that Kate and William thought it was hilarious mm-hmm. and loved it. Co-signed. Kind of funny. Um, yep. Yeah, co-signed. And also, I think, a little angry at them for, quote, unquote, being the university-educated ones who didn't not only didn't stop him, but maybe loved that he was about yeah. to— be I such wouldn't put it past a, him, to be honest a, with you. A piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then there's more in Kate's lip gloss. So then Meg and Harry, they're totally at fault. They're like, well, actually, um, we're kind of mad at you guys because you switched seats at our wedding. You like moved the place cards of where we wanted you to sit. And they're like, actually, you guys moved place cards at Pippa's wedding. I'm like, y'all, all of y'all are fucked. You guys are so out of your minds. Then <laughs> the final thing I'll read is um. The famous crying mm-hmm. scene, which is that um, 
Kate texts Meg. She's like, there's a problem with the dresses. Meg doesn't write back for a long time because she's dealing with her totally asshole father um, making a, a big mess in the press. Then finally, she's like, can we talk this afternoon? Kate says, Charlotte's dress is too big, too long, too baggy. She cried when she tried it on at home. Kate, uh, sorry, Meg, right. And I told you the tailor has been standing by since 8 a.m. Here at KP, can you take Charlotte to have it altered as the other moms are doing? No, all the dresses need to be remade. My own wedding dress designer agreed, Kate added. Then they're like, are you kidding me? They go back and forth. Um, a short time later, this is Harry talking, I arrived home and found Meg on the floor, sobbing. I was horrified to see her upset, but I didn't think it was a catastrophe. Emotions were running high, of course, after the stress of the week, the month, the last day. It was intolerable, but temporary. Kate hadn't meant any harm, I told her. Indeed, the next morning, Kate came by with flowers and a card that said she was sorry. Meg's best friend, Lindsay, was in the kitchen when she turned up. Simple misunderstanding, I told myself. I wrote, no, no, darling boy. The monarchy will fall over the tailoring <laughs> of a bridesmaid's dress. Darling boy. I I mean, I felt like it was cool of Kate to like apologize the next day. I go, okay. That yep. She actually admitted that she, and she later on, I think when they got to down to it for like a peace talk of like what's going on with us and they aired all the grievances, she said in the press, you know, that they had said, Meg made Kate cry. And she was like, I know that that wasn't true and that I made you cry, Meg. And like... Yes. But also, they both probably yes. cry. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. you know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like, yeah, you're right. Weddings, weddings will turn your family's bullshit up by a thousand. And a part of me believes that like, just just this dress incident is like the reason why this book was written. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Charlotte's baggy dress. You're so right. That's like, it's like, this is, that is it. Oh, and then what you said earlier, um, Harry asked Granny permission to keep his beard. It's not done. It's not proper. She says, yes. William's like, you shave that fucking beard off right now because William didn't get to keep his wedding beard. And look, it's two balding men who look better with yes. beards. And William's very sad. And he, he didn't, didn't get, get to, to wear his. what he and wanted at his wedding either. He had to wear He didn't get to weird. wear the uniform mm -hmm. he wanted. Then he throws Harry to the floor. You know, it's and Harry really like getting puts his back on the dog bowl that breaks beneath him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God! And then, um, and then when it comes to the night of his wedding, William's like, "I'm not going to come have dinner with you or hang out with you." Also, Harry was not William's best mm -hmm. man. The palace said he was, but in reality, he was just running cover for the two real best men, and he didn't trust Harry with the microphone. So I mean, like, he just. He hates his older brother and his older brother is a Willie. Yeah, and his older brother hates, they both hate, it makes me so sad because they could have really had each other's backs after their mom died. And like, you know, they were too young to even do that. But just even when he went off to boarding school and William being like, you don't know who I am. And it, which I think is common for older brothers to be like, don't look at me at school. But just never, never any closeness between them. I think they had one moment where they, actually embraced after they like shoot shot some quail or something. There was one story of affection between the two of them. It's just heartbreaking because you just look at what could have been. They needed yes. each other. And they could have yeah, had they such, did. such a great relationship. And, and it was just totally squandered because of lack of just openness in their family, which is exactly what this book is trying to break free from. It's just like, let's just say the truth. Let's say what's really going on because we never have. Even the suspicions yeah. uh, around his mom's death. I mean, he didn't even get into that, but like there are people that think it was the crown pl planned it. You know, like it's just things that aren't being said. And he's in this book saying them yeah. all and saying too many. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is, that is perfectly said. And like, they just have, they have so much yeah. bad blood between them. And it is really sad because they, they could have been each other's best friend. I do think like trauma in your family, like split siblings up. And yeah. um, also Meg comes from a really tough family. I really feel for her. She's yes. out here being this like grace, graceful, lovely individual. And her dad's just running a Thank mock. God for her mom. I will say, yeah. truly, I, I went into a personal spiral because Harry calls his mom mummy mm-hmm. most of the book. So there's probably like 70 uses of mummy, then maybe like five mothers and like 10 mums. And I was like, dang, is this cultural? Is it posh? I kind of came away believing like it's posh, it's cultural. It's just what you call them. But then he talks about how Meg still into her daddy. 30s calls her dad daddy, which yeah. I got to tell you, not a fan, but I think he was saying it is like, see, she's close to her dad. She mm-hmm. loves her dad because people say yeah, that she's mean. Yeah, she and was I think mean. she did. I think they both lost their parents that they had. They, you saw, you call your mommy mommy because you never transitioned to calling her mom because you were 12 when she died. So it's just yes. locked in as yes. mommy. And I think he, she lost her dad around the same time when her parents split and he started a new family. It's like, it. she just got stuck there. But also like, she did live mm-hmm. with him in high school. I will also say the the I, the, the mummies and daddies like whatever. It was so weird to me that he didn't put in two words like like me. Yeah, that's that you is know, interesting. He's not connecting that. He kind of at all mm-hmm. at all he sees it is like that's where I was like okay it's just culturally more accepted to use mummy. I, I don't guess. think and it he, is. He I doesn't think find that odd. I think he's just didn't get it. I don't think it, 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 it's, it's yeah. one of those moments in the book where you, you go, how are you not connecting these dots? But yeah, that's yeah, good catch. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the, the press gets so, so bad. The palace is silent. This is this is the big it of the book. The palace could come out and say, Meg did not bully Kate. Meg did not do these things. But palace just mm-hmm. remains quiet. And he starts to feel like, I have to keep you safe. And um, and here's another thing that really fucking bothered me about the discourse of this book. So going around about this book is that like he and Meg are gonna dismantle the pa- the monarchy. <laughs> I almost said patriarchy. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, Next ha. Next book. Ha, ha. No, they're not. But the monarchy. <laughs> yeah, right. And he loves the monarchy. Oh he yeah. He loves the monarchy. He he puts up a. T- I'm just like, how did that narrative go out? He says. Um, maybe money sits at the heart of every controversy about monarchy blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, depends on who's crunching the numbers. The latest study I saw, it costs people about a pint. Oh yeah. About a pint to keep. I'm like, oh, Harry, this is not it. This is not the take. And he's like, yeah, but I'll leave it up to you guys. And basically says, my problem has never been with the monarchy nor the concept of the monarchy. It's been with the press and the sick relationship that's evolved between it and the Mm -hmm. palace. Um, and I was like, yes, that's true. He hates the press. He hates Willie. He loves the monarchy. I, I He doesn't want to dismantle it. And with that, I'm going to play a message from um, a very good friend of mine. She's from Britain. She lives in London now. Um, she was a bridesmaid in my wedding. She's mm-hmm. a high school friend of mine. She's very political. She wrote a book titled, this is how you'll know where she's coming from. She wrote a book titled Unions Renewed, Building Power in the Age of Finance. And I asked her what her feelings on the monarchy are. I'm going to play it now. What I would say, though, is like, enjoy the book, enjoy the drama, get lost in the like celebrity tittle-tattle of it all. Um, But just remember, I guess for me, like these are not the same as other celebrities, right? Just don't lose sight of the fact that they are still the unelected heads of state of what has been a pretty, um, yeah, pretty oppressive, violent colonial power over the last few hundred years, right? 
Um, so, for example, if you look at the like the crown, like the literal physical crown um, that they wear on their heads, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of them sitting on a gold throne surrounded by jewels as well. Loads of these jewels are like literally stolen from other countries, often in a very brutal way. Um, and they're things that we continue to refuse to give back, um, right? And uh, so um, when you bring up these kind of issues of colonialism uh, and the history of empire in the context of the royal family, lots of people come back and say, oh, stop harking on about the distant past, like, let's move on. But lots of this stuff isn't the distant past, right? So if you look at um, Queen Elizabeth's reign, so this is the monarch that just died and we had this, like, intense period of royal mourning over her death. She oversaw some pretty pretty brutal periods of British history, right? Um, uh, so there's a there's a um, commentator, left commentator here in the UK, Ash Sarkar, who um, recently described the royal family as a, a, a cartel who basically has all this stolen goods and um, and kind of goes around pushing them in their faces, and we're all supposed to, you know, call them Your Majesty. Uh, and she's got a point, right? I think I think there's a, an argument to be had that that's effectively what they are. Um, and it's not just in the past. Yeah, so Britain continued to be a very oppressive imperial force. Often we're right there alongside the US. And I think that the, the royal family, and particularly like the image of the royal family, um, has a real role to play there, right? But the, the other thing to bear in mind, um, which might come through anyway in Harry's book, is just the level of wealth we're talking about. I mean, these guys are really, really loaded. Um, so, and it's not just the members of the royal family that you, the names that we already know from the media. These guys are kind of the heads of this pyramid of um, earls and dukes and all the rest of it, petty royals, who between them like own a lot of Britain, right? Like they own a lot of the land of Britain and that kind of concentrated wealth is really problematic um, uh, for the rest of the economy in all sorts of different ways. And then not only do they hoard a lot of the private wealth of the country, but then they're really bloody expensive for us to keep, right? Like um, the taxpayer doles out a hefty sum of money to keep not just the the kind of really famous royals, but also loads of other royals as well in these kind of ridiculously lavish lifestyles. Um, and that's it's kind of hard to take for me in a period when we're being told that, like, we can't fund our National Health Service. Um, it's just sort of crumbling before our eyes. We've got um, families this winter who were choosing between heating their houses and, and uh, feeding their children. And yet we somehow find the money to, to support these lifestyles. So <laughs> for various reasons, if you're asking me what I think of the royal family, I think they're a little problematic. So that's something to keep in mind. And then really, he from here, they, they leave. Tyler Perry takes them in, and their security is taken away. And he points out that Prince Andrew, the, the noted pedophile. Yes, I was wondering if he was going to touch on yeah. it, on the touch on the toucher. Touch on the, but here's the thing. In other parts of the book, he's like, my dear cousin Eugenie and her father, who I love so much, is like, well, hey, that's, well, that's Prince Andrew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and then later he's like, uh, he a pedophile and he kept his security, mm-hmm. but they removed mm-hmm. theirs. And to which I say, like, what did you guys think would happen? Like, obviously he's got to write a book now. Obviously they're going to do the Netflix special. Like, how did you think these two yeah, people were going to make really money? that's a really good point. Of course, I just think, I don't know that they thought, well, they didn't trust him with the microphone at the wedding. Like, they knew he was a loose cannon. They had to have, uh, man, but how would they ever allow this to happen if they thought that, I mean, this is devastating. I, I think they were like, the crown. 
You've been, yeah. I dev- They'll never recover dev- from this. team. No. And, but also like you guys took away their money and their security. Like obviously he's going to sell a $40 million memoir deal. Yeah. Now that said, this is, this is where I started to get off the Megan Harry boat, Megan and Harry boat. And we are coming towards the end of the book. The kind of arc of this is like, we're cast out of Mm -hmm. monarchy and we have fucking nothing. And he says, we scrape by, we scrape enough together to get a mortgage together. (laughs) On a home in Santa Barbara. This is this is a mansion, a mansion in Santa Barbara. And then in the book includes, it came with a koi fish pond and we needed to get a, like a koi fish therapist because the koi we're, fish we're, were traumatized and they were going to die. So he's like, Join yeah, the so club. we're going to have to pay for that. Yeah. And he does say like, ha ha, first world problems. It's like not first world yeah. problems. Prince and Harry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Prince Harry and Meghan problems. Also like, do not arc your narrative towards two people making it on their own. When in the docuseries, we're going to look at the sprawling grounds of this giant mansion you spend the pandemic yes. in. I just was like, no. I feel like I gave it a pass because they can't, they're accustomed to a certain way of life. <laughs> I'm so buying Come into on. this whole fucking thing. I mean, like, they, no. need, they need security for sure. I mean, there are people, like, trying to climb into their house, cutting the fence. Like, that made me go, they, they need a certain amount of money for that. I don't begrudge them making these deals, try, getting a- money wherever they can. Because like he said, like I was born, I was never given the chance to make my own money. So people are so mad at me now of like, oh, now you have to work. Oh, boo-hoo. And he's like, yeah, but I was never even given an opportunity to have my own credit card, to have my own money. Uh, th- I, you know, I... I I also, I, I don't, I don't begrudge them this at all. What I do begrudge is the literary mm. narrative of like, we have nothing. And it's like, just don't write that, I didn't like that, that either. Like, you you have a connection like, with Tyler Perry. That's that you have, you yeah, have like, something. Yeah, like, stop. <laughs> like, you're yeah, friends with yeah. Oprah. And like, she comes over, <laughs> like, you, you're fine. You don't have nothing. Yes. I, I agree and, with you on this one. And I also think, because, um, you know, he didn't choose to be into this. And, and I, but I do think, not just him, but like, every person on earth, like, none of us got no. to choose. Yeah the circumstances of our birth, at some point, you do have to say, like, none of that was my fault. None of that was my doing. But as an adult now, I I get to choose what happens to me yes. now. And I feel like he's not fully there yet. He's still how I blame, feel. blame, a lot of blame. I mean, he takes yeah. accountability for yeah, his, ra- the Nazi thing and that, like, just the naked pool thing. Like, he does, he takes accountability throughout it, even, like, his fight with Meg like he screams at her at one point and she like runs into the room and is like I don't know where you learned to talk to women that way but I'm not putting up with it go to therapy and he fucking does and he's like he yeah so oh yeah like he's on, he's the, on path. the path we're gonna I just get don't that think... from him later on but he right now he's later, still yes. traumatized I mean we're two years out of him losing his security and having and being homeless at Tyler Perry's um <laughs> estate but so <laughs> yeah he's, exactly he's still, exactly and I think that's what made this book so fun for me was that the resentment it, it's still dripping in resentment starting with the rapidly balding thing or like, the, you know, the, the alarmingly balding. I just, I remember I started the book in bed with my boyfriend and he was half asleep and I go, oh, this is going to be good. As soon as I read that line, I was like, yes. I'm in <laughs> for a wild ride. Like it was because it, it is dripping with resentment the whole time. And I don't, I don't blame him, but 100%. you're right. It, it, he could have used a little space before this book came out because I think he's going to look back in hindsight and say, I regret going that hard. Um, but there's no way that I, I agree. He, there's no pulling back from this. It's over. He, he'll never have a relationship with his brother again. A hundred percent. 
hundred percent. Okay. So then, um, on this podcast, I call it out all the time, but like almost every memoir has a psychic moment. And this one's psychic moment is like fucking phenomenal. And he gives it this tiny little chapter, but basically a few chapters ago, um, Meg buys an ornament of the queen granny to hang on their tree and it shatters off of Mm -hmm. their tree. And they're like, oh my God, this is like fucking strange. Then he has this chapter about the psychic moment where he goes to see, he says, I recognize the high percentage chance of humbuggery, but the woman came with strong recommendations from trusted friends. So I asked myself, what's the harm? I love it. Leave the palace. You get to talk to psychics and like LA psychos. So she basically says, um, your mother is with you. And she's with you right now. And she knows you're looking for clarity and your mother feels your confusion. She knows you have many questions. And she says, the answers will come in time one day in the future. Have patience. We're psychic ever. You're like, okay, cool. And then um, she basically says, you're living the life she couldn't. You're living the life your mother wanted for you. And he goes, okay, this sounds great, but I need proof. And the psychic says, okay, your mother says something about an ornament. Yes, she says something about an ornament, and she was there, uh, a Christmas ornament of a mother or a grandmother. It fell, it broke. Archie tried to fix it. Your mother says she had a bit of a giggle Mm. about that. And I was like, this is a fucking great psychic moment and also so dangerous. It's so dangerous to see psychics because they can totally um, give you validation of whatever you chose. Oh, yeah, I I feel the psychic moment was probably she saw a tree. It was around Christmas time. Who doesn't have an ornament with some kind of sentimental value? You say, there's something with an ornament. And then I feel like the rest of it was probably filled in by him. And he remembers it like the psychic told him that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, a Tyler Henry I, believer. I believe in psychics. I think I, she I, can yeah, do it. I am, I'm a believer. But I I did. I This was this was a moment that made me go, oh, I need to see a psychic. Like, it was, it was a sweet moment. Oh, for yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. No. She first, I, I listen, I believe yeah. it. I think she saw into the future. I think she said it to him. I just mm-hmm. think it's so funny because this psychic will give him the validation to, he, to yes. print the book. <laughs> Do you yes. know what I mean? Like, um, and then we are at the end of the book. I'm going to call this one of the worst endings ever, Nikki. Oh, really? And it follows a pattern of many memoirs, uh, which is, uh, I'll just read it. He says, don't worry, all will be well. I'll keep you safe. And Meg has just had their daughter. He said, I surrendered her to Meg, skin to skin, the nurse said. Later, after we brought her home, after we settled into the new rhythms of a family of four, Meg and I were skin to skin. And she said, I've never been more in love with you than in that moment. Really, really. She jotted some thoughts in a kind of journal, which she shared. I read them as a love poem. I read them as a testament, a renewal of our vows. I read them as a citation, a remembrance, a proclamation. I read them as a decree. She said, that was everything. She said, that is a man. My love, she said, that is not a spare. Oh, yeah. Oof. I, th- I threw the book <laughs> because I think, again, do not begrudge that it happened. Love their love. To arc the entire story of your whole life and your entire literary arc of the whole book into someone else loved me into a happy ending. Mm. And through this woman, I am no longer a spare. I just think is like, not good. It made me worried. I was like, okay, now I'm worried for you guys. Yeah. A lot of people in the book with like, and then I met this person and then you'll look them up and you'll be like, they're divorced. Right. <laughs> like, and like, live your life, relationships end, just don't end the book on it. And she's the person who made him feel like he's yeah, not this was the, the whole thing was around her and, and how she's, yes. Like, it. But it's just, I just wanted him to have a little more of, of him. Of him, I'm of, of loving him himself and not needing it through someone else. Yes. You're absolutely right. It is a, it's a, the wrong message to send to of like someone else loving you makes you fe- lovable enough. And, and I think that'll be chapter, that'll be the next 
phase of his growth. Of Memoir. Like, I think we all yeah. go through that of like, we need validation from outside and he hasn't hit, he hasn't done the right amount of ayahuasca or whatever it is to get that, like the self-love that he's still looking for and probably is still struggle within their relationship and certainly with all the pressure that's on it now. But yeah, that's just a really good point. Oh, yeah. I, it shows like how naive I am because I was like wiping my tears. Uh, not tears, but I was just <laughs> at, I was kind it's of like, still- oh, that's what the... I don't know that she, she probably wrote that and was like, I've got the ending for your book. Do you want me to read this? <laughs> like, yeah, but also it's like, I'm a little like, why did you, you wrote his, he is that, not, that is a man. That is not a spare. Yes. Like, and she, listen, I believe I it. Do too. I do She reads her poems. Like, this is her. I was just like, oh, you guys are both really fucking hung up mm-hmm, on the metaphor mm-hmm, of the spare. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, and then I'm going to tie this in with the last scene of the docuseries where she's like, I gave a speech at our wedding, which was like not the norm for, you know, uh, posh UK brides. She's like, can I read it? Can I read this speech? And he's like, yeah, read it. She like reads it from her phone. And I have to say, like, if I was Kate, Camilla, Charles, Willie, you know, people set up, already set up to hate her with their own, you know, racism, jealousy, all of that. And, and I heard that speech I would fucking bristle. It it was like, it almost felt like shots fired. I was like, oh my God. And you read this at your wedding and she ends the speech with love wins. And it's throughout their documentaries. They're like, love wins, love love wins. And I'm like, you guys, that is an, that is an LGBTQ rally, rallying cry. Like, what are you, what, what are you doing picking up the phrase love wins (laughs) as your personal anthem? Like, this is absolutely about marriage equality between same sex couples, (laughs) but like, whatever. And, and she's like, love wins. Like, oh, I really did. I was like, oh, I see why, I see why they got so mad. Why, who got so mad? Like, uh, one, the people within their family, you know, seething with yes. jealousy. And also, I think people who really love the royals and, like, cried mm-hmm, at the queen's mm-hmm. death and, and you know, watch the weddings can feel like, how dare you become a part of something that means so much to me and not, not uh, Google it to shit and treat it with reverence and respect. Right. You know, I see how they, I see how they have that angle. And if I, if I was them and I heard that wedding speech, I would be like, Ooh. Like it gave me the it, it, of it, that being like the first sign like this is they're throwing this under the butt like they're they're on their way out yeah they, yeah yeah like they're trying like to they're change on their, I would be like oh yes, they're gonna leave yes yes well I would just sort of it just felt like it it was like yeah it felt a little if and it felt a little like if it was at any wedding not even the monarchy yes. like if anyone at their own wedding was like I'm gonna read this speech about a love story and it's in third person there once was a boy and a girl and they met in Botswana but here's the thing love wins I'd be like Bleh. yeah even you know the moment in the documentary that I watched over and over when she's doing the curtsy and his face is so uncomfortable because he's like still like by he I mean he has he does love the monarchy and she's yeah. mocking it openly in a way. She, it's so passive aggressive because she's so grossed out by everything. It's like that felt even to me and I am like, I think the monarchy is gross. I was even like, come on a little, pull back a little on here. We all know how to curtsy. That's how, that's yeah. how I felt too. I was like, I was like, monarchy's so stupid. I am so glad you guys left. I do. Yes. I don't think it's good. And yeah, At like the same don't, time, don't like, a little bit. We pull do this bit behind back. the scenes and make fun. But back. like, also like, I, I just need to point out Nikki Glaser of of Come on My <laughs> Face stand up joke is saying you've yeah, gone too yeah, far. Yeah, I was just <laughs> like, I was uncomfortable with 
that scene. And I, I did love though that just look. He kind of looked away. It was like, are we? Do, guys, don't put this in the documentary. Like she's yeah, and they're like, and then oh, they put it in. it in, and that's what made me go, okay. Ugh. They definitely saw that edit and saw his face and saw her in that uncomfortable moment, and they left it in, and that is why, in the end, I actually like them because they are cringe. They they have to see it in themselves. I think they're self aware enough to know that this stuff is going to make people. They, I mean, people already don't like them. They have nothing to lose at this point, too. I think there's that kind of attitude yeah. about yeah. the whole thing. Like they, they have been torn apart so much. It doesn't matter at this point what they do. They can just kind of be themselves. Yeah, and I, and I hope they feel free from it. Yeah, this this helped me. I needed to I needed to hear this side of things because I'm a little uh, like no one's perfect, and I was putting them a, a little bit too much on a pedestal um, before. And there, well, and you know what? I think I think a lot of people love them from this too. Like it's just like it's such a divisive topic, mm, you know, and, and I get it. Yeah. And I get it. Um, okay. So we end every podcast with something I call the mm-hmm. book till test. Okay. It has three questions. First question, was the author vulnerable and did they share their truth? Yes. I say a hundred percent. Yes. Uh, definitely went there. Question number two, was it entertaining to read? I, I thought so. I, 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 there was, it was a, it was, a, I couldn't put it down kind of book for me. I'm going to give it a 70%. Some of it dragged, but overall- A, a like 70% some of it is perfect for, for me as well. And I feel like that's pretty high for me. I was like, I, it wasn't like I couldn't put it down, but every time I picked it up, it would, it it kept going. Like I wasn't bored. I, I rarely got bored. Yes, yes, yes. I, I say that's right. And last question is, did reading this book elevate your life in any way? Honestly, for me, yes, because I feel like I want to be as like strong. I thought I was inspired by part two more than anything in terms of I want to push my limits and ma- do things that aren't for like to show t- just for myself. I felt like he was actually in the military. He was there weren't cameras on him. He wasn't doing anything for show. It was for himself. And I feel like I was inspired to do more of that, to like look more inward and and challenge myself in ways that I don't post on Instagram and are just for like personal challenges. So I might like, you know, go on a hike or something one day. (laughs) I I felt inspired in that way. How about you? I really love it. You know, I have to say, I, 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 I'm overly serious about this test. In terms of elevating my life, I'm going to have to say it made my life worse because I'm a Royals fan. <laughs> now I'm like, now I'm fucking in it. Now I'm reading yep, Daily yep. Mail. Now I'm looking up all these photos. Like, I, I have opinions about the Royals. I don't think that made me yeah, a better Yeah, that's person. a good point. I, th- this is making tensions with my, my friends are kind of like, I can tell they're talking about me behind my back of like, Nikki's really... Like, this is her new thing about, like, defending Meghan Markle. <laughs> and, like, we're kind of nauseated by it. So I think it's made my my friends' lives worse, for sure, me having read this book. I like this journey for us. And I'm so I'm so glad you uh, inspired me to read it because I really was going back and forth. So I'm, I'm so glad you made it. Come on. I'm so glad you made an exception to uh, that we allowed it. The spare. Yeah, we did. We allowed it. The spare. Um, okay, Nikki, um, I'm sure everyone already follows you online, but tell people where they can support your work, follow your work, find your work. Yeah, uh, Nikki Glazer on Instagram. And then I have a podcast two times a week that is just me kind of oversharing a lot like this book and just uh, with my best friends. And it's called the Nikki Glazer Podcast and you can drop it anytime. And I'm also on tour uh, and all over the US and also going to Europe. And you can find those dates at NikkiGlazer.com. Thank you so much, Chelsea. It was so fun. That's all for this week's episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Chelsea Devantes. I book clubbed the entirety of this book. I I post pictures of it. I post other pictures. Um, I saved it in a highlight. So go to at Chelsea Devantes if you want to see those highlights. And you can follow me if you want to catch the next time I do a digital book club and just for all kinds of things like that. 
You can support us on Patreon for just $5 a month. You get an extra bonus episode a month. There's also other perks on there. We also have a pay what you can option where you just pay a dollar to get all the bonus content. So come join us over there. It's linked in the show notes. A huge shout out to our podcast producer, Kate Downey, and our episode engineer, Gigi Bouncy House, who are working uh, their little tushies off. Um, Oh my God, the book seeped into my brain um, to release this podcast episode today. So a huge thank you to them. And if you want to start a conversation about the Royals um, on my Instagram, I will make a post about this episode. You can get into it on the comments there. Cookies often go back and forth. You can make comments on our Patreon and also the Facebook group Celebrity Book Club Podcast on Facebook people start their own conversations there. And thank you guys for for going all in on on this memoir. God, I'm going to be thinking about it for so long. I'll see you next week for another episode. We're going to cover RuPaul's memoir. Bye.